and love is all that I can give to you. Love is more than just a game for two. Two in love can make it. Take my heart and please don't break it. Love was made for me and you. Welcome to Love Savers Radio, ministering the blessings of covenant. This is Walter and Sandy Fox from Love Savers Ministry, called by God to minister the blessings of the marriage covenant by enriching, encouraging, strengthening, and praying for the healing of marriages, especially marriages in crisis. Hi, Love Savers listeners. This is Keith Davis, the proprietor of the Golden Pear Cafes. As I enter my 30th year of marriage, I encourage you to seek the Lord's guidance and wisdom for your marriage, for He is the one who can help you day by day in building a lifetime of peace, joy, fond memories, and a beautiful family. When Anne walked into the Golden Pear to apply for a job as Golden Pear's first pastry chef, I had no idea that God had brought my future wife and mother of our three children literally to my front door. But that is exactly what he did. And although we have had our challenges and ups and downs, God has richly blessed our marriage and he gets the glory for our 30 years together. So I encourage you to seek God's will and use Love Savers as a resource to improve and bless your marriage. Therefore, what God has joined together, let no one separate. Mark chapter 10, verse 9. Today's guest author is Patrice Webb Bush. She wrote the book, Repairing Your Christian Marriage. Patrice says that marriage in Christ holds strong when supported by the twin pillars of faith and action. Grounded in both scripture and proven therapeutic principles, Repairing Your Christian Marriage stands out among Christian marriage books with effective strategies and practical activities to bring you and your spouse together and restore your bond. Sandy talks with Patrice today about her book, Repairing Your Christian Marriage, Faith-Based Strategies to Rebuild Your Relationship. Let's listen. Hi, Patrice. Hi, how are you? Okay, we're going to discuss your book, Repairing Your Christian Marriage, Faith-Based Strategies to Build Your Relationship. And may I please ask, why did you write this book, and how do you feel it differs from other books in the field? Hmm, that's a great question. Um, I, I So as a uh, marriage counselor um, and someone that has worked in this uh, line of work for the last nine years, um, I've been hired by several churches to come in and facilitate marriage retreats and marriage workshops and just various services for um, faith-based um, ministries. Um, and what, uh, every time that I've been hired for that, that type of, uh, service, what I would find is that, um, oftentimes there were lots of conversations occurring in the church in regards to marriage, but, um, they were all, um, trying to think of the proper way to say this, um, very, uh, of course, very much biblical based, but not a lot of practicality to actually applying the scripture. Yeah. Um, and so um, I realized that there was a, a void um, that I was sort of filling within uh, faith-based um, ministries 
um, and providing that practicality for churches to actually apply the scripture to their marriage. Um, and so I decided that I wanted to write a book so that I could reach more people, you know, reach the masses of Christians um, who want some real tangible, practical things that they can implement in their marriage, but is founded in a Christian strategy. I also feel it's very interesting that you're called into so many different faith based churches because I also think that um, whether in some of these big churches the pastors don't really have all the time that's maybe needed to dedicate to some of these marital problems because they have so many congregates. Another reason um, and problem there is is that I think sometimes married people don't want to share their personal troubles with the local pastor. They kind of like to give a view that everything is just fine and all right to everyone in the church along with the pastor. Whereas if they do have a counselor such as yourself, they might feel a lot more comfortable to share. Do you agree? Absolutely agree with that, 100%. Yeah, and and it's funny that you mentioned uh, it happening a lot in mega churches, but I also see it a lot in the smaller churches where everyone knows everyone, and uh-huh. you know maybe a lot of people are family members within that church, or we all grow up in the you know we all grew up in the same town, so I know uh, everybody in my neighborhood um, type of thing, and so yeah, even in those smaller churches, people struggle with being transparent about some of those real issues in their marriages um, because they don't want people knowing their personal right. business. Yeah, mm-hmm. and that's kind of understandable. You mm-hmm. see, a successful marriage has two people that serve each other. You mentioned right. Timothy 2.24 to describe a servant of the Lord. Would you share that with us? Oh, okay. so, you say that the Lord's servants must not be quarrelsome, but must be kind to everyone and able to teach and not resentful. You know, I think that's so important that you bring that forth. And I think it's so important that it's not just with each other, but they also should think about that kind of behavior towards other people that they are dealing with all day long, right? Because if they don't bring, I mean, if they bring quarrelsomeness and unkindness Mm -hmm. and Mm -hmm. resentment to others Mm -hmm. that their married partner and they are dealing with all day, that doesn't work either, does it? Exactly. It does not. Um, What we have found is that uh, typically the way in which people function in their everyday life is the way in which they function within their households. Uh Um, A lot of times people aren't, you know, making like a drastic change where they're, you know, super kind out in public and then really nasty in the house or vice versa where they're nasty to others or um, you know, just spiteful or, or resentful towards others and then able to be uh, really kind with their spouse. So we definitely um, put the emphasis on um, treating the community with the same love and respect that we uh, uh, that we give to God, uh, that that needs to be the same love and respect, of course, that also comes back to our spouses. Yes. 
In Genesis 2.24, we're told, Therefore shall a man leave his father and his mother, and shall cleave unto his wife, and they shall be one flesh. Why is that leave and cleave concept so often difficult to accomplish? And what do you advise regarding overcoming difficulties in that area? Yeah, um, oh, you know, leave and cleave is, it is a difficult concept. Um, one of the things that I discuss in that book is that for the most part, and gen- generally speaking, of course, because this doesn't apply to everybody, but generally speaking, most people marry during the most selfish parts of their lives. Most of us marry um, in those younger adult years, those years where your focus has been primarily on you, (laughs) your parents' focus has been primarily on you, Um, maybe you're in college or you're coming out of college, um, or or you're just in your uh, young years of career, but the focus is heavily on self from other people as well as for you. And then we are uh, conjoining ourselves with a partner with someone else that we are called to love unselfishly um, in a time of our life where we are most selfish and where we are accustomed to everything being about us. Um, so I love um, the way in which the Bible describes the leave to leave and cleave um, because it doesn't necessarily, because people get confused about this. I think some folks think that, think that that means I have to abandon my family. Right. Uh, I can no longer, you know, go to my mom's house on Sundays for dinner, or I can't, you know, have those deeper conversations with my dad because I've got to now only have those with my spouse. Um, No, it it doesn't negate or tell you that, per my understanding of the word, or tell us that we can no longer have that relationship at home. As a matter of fact, that solid, healthy relationship at home is what gives you the foundation of being being able to create a solid, healthy relationship with your partner. Um, More so that that cleave uh, is about creating a life that is that surrounds the two of you, you and your spouse. And then that also includes connecting your um, extended family members as well, which, you know, your parents and siblings. Right. How can we resolve a disagreement before it flares into a fight? And if it does become a fight, how can we fight fair and how can we recover from a fight and learn to do a little better next time? Yeah, that's a great question. Um, You know, oftentimes in my practice, and I talk about this a lot with couples, um, I'm telling couples consistently to prepare for your fights. And when I say it, usually the look on my couple's face is like, prepare for a fight. <laughs> you know, what does that mean? Like, yeah. I don't want to, I don't want to think that I'm going to fight in advance. Thus, have to prepare, pre- pre- prepare for it. Um, but really, the best way to prevent disagreements from turning into major fights and blowups is to create guidelines and structure in your relationship up front. And so what what might that look like? That might be an agreement that says, you know, you and your your spouse sit down together having a conversation around what works for you and what doesn't work for you as terms of in terms of conversation and you might say, "All right, we're going to agree that when we are having tough conversations that we're not going to elevate our voices." 
and that if one of us does start to yell or elevate our voice, that we will hold each other accountable gently and say, hey, babe, you know, I don't want to continue this conversation if you're going to yell at me. Right. You know, we need to have this conversation at a level, um, at, a, at a level, um, you know, at an uh, equal noise level. level. Right. <laughs> Right. Um, it might sound like, you know, we're not going to uh, call each other names. Um, it could be that a part of our rules are we're never going to argue in front of the kids. We will always have our, uh, you know, intense conversations or those conversations that could go the other way in the privacy of our bedroom. Um, but it's literally a, a conversation that you would sit down with your spouse and just literally discuss and lay out rules and structures of what works for the two of you so that you have that guideline in advance, then you know when a conflict does become major because no relationship is void of major conflicts. When they happen, now you've got a set of guidelines in which you're going to communicate by. Right. Good idea. How would you suggest dealing with difficult conditions in marriage, such as infidelity, addiction, or mental illness, which you have a lot of good ideas about? Because you do, you know, talking about the difference in your book, of course, we all believe in the Bible and biblical teaching, but I think you so nicely bring in the science as well and talk mm-hmm. about that. You mm-hmm. know, the therapy and the psychology, you do that so successfully in this book. How would you, again, to suggest dealing with difficult conditions in marriage such as infidelity, addiction, or mental illness? Yeah, Um These topics are extremely, extremely sensitive for most couples um, because they are, uh, I call call them the big, they're the big three. They are the most difficult things for couples to overcome because they're so deep rooted. What do I mean by deep rooted? Um, So many of them are, uh, are beyond behavioral things and they go into become psychological issues. Um, so as you mentioned, from infidelity to substance abuse, um, and you actually didn't uh, say domestic violence, but that's a part of it too. Um, mental health issues there as well. Um, these things, uh, probably the biggest reason that they're difficult to tackle is because they are so private. So the first step I, I would say for couples is just owning that they exist in the relationship. Um, being able to be honest and transparent that, you know, a partner is experiencing uh, an addiction, um, a partner is experiencing a certain, um, you know, hormonal imbalances or mental health challenges, or anxiety or depression or whatever it is that a partner may be dealing with. Um, just getting that out in the open and speaking on it first is the first step. And then typically in these scenarios, you are always going to need a third party. Um, I, you know, I, I trust God. I believe him. And one of the things that I love about the way in which he works is that he has given us all gifts and talents. And I believe that our doctors, our psychologists, our therapists, um, our addiction specialists, um, 
although they are operating from a science base, they're still gifted by God. He's still given them the ability to do the line of work that they do. And so we need those professions um, within our faith walks, as well as our faith and our prayer. Um, and so having that third party present to help you navigate uh, difficult challenges like infidelity and addiction and mental health and abuse um, is going to be, I mean, just there it's it's literally going to be a priority um that third party is going to be able to provide a level of uh understanding um that i think partners need in order to get through some of these uh complexities um patience is 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 key in this area um, you know, being patient while your partner gets the treatment, while your partner gets the help that they need. Um, but I have to tell you, there's a caveat to this one. <laughs> and the caveat is that, yes, what we, we encourage our spouses to be patient with the process. If you have a spouse that is dealing with addiction or mental health or infidelity, to be patient with that process while they get their treatment and they get the help they need. But at the same time, um, we recognize that the other partner is still a human being and they still have feelings and they still have a heart and they still have a desire for love and care um, and support that they need as well. So um, even within being patient while your partner gets the treatment that they need, you also have to be patient with yourself. And it might be that you also are getting some individual um, services or treatment um, to help you deal with your partner's stuff. Um, and then on top of that, to help you heal from this, this uh, from being married to someone that suffers from these conditions because, um just being personal for a moment, I, um, my, in my parents, one of my, uh, my father, um, was addicted to a, a substance for the bulk of my parents' marriage. And, uh, as much as it took my father, the effort that it took him to get the help that he needed, it took equally as much effort from my mom to heal herself because it was a lot of hurts and things that she experienced as a result of being married to an addict. Um, so it's, it's really twofold. It's, it's a matter of individually caring for yourselves for the benefit of that, uh, working out for the marriage. I hope I'm answering this question. No, you're answering it very well. In fact, I have a relative, um, that mentioned the same thing to me that, um, she started seeing a psychologist to deal with her husband because she said, because he was in and out of rehab for, 19 times and I needed someone mm. to talk to and she needed yeah. help. So I yeah. understand that. You, do, you don't always think of it that way. You think yeah. just that person who's the addict needs help. Yeah. But no, you yeah. do too in dealing with it when it's so close in a, in a marriage. Right. Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. And potentially your kids too. I want to mention that. Like it's super important that we consider our whole families when we are dealing with difficult issues like this. Uh, to include infidelity. Um, oftentimes we think that uh, 
infidelity just affects the two people that were involved, but infidelity actually affects entire families. Um, and so sometimes it's necessary for your children to get um, some counseling or, or attend a support group or some sort of uh, way in which that they can be loved on and cared for and supported through the process because nine times out of ten, they've also experienced secondhand trauma from the trauma that their parents are going through. Yes. Yes. Why is successful communication so foundational to a successful marriage? And how can we improve our communication? And what are some of the pitfalls and principles of Christian communication? Yeah. Um, that's a great question. So communication, I feel like we all know at this point that communication is the foundation of all marriages. I mean, of all, let me not, let, let me take out the word marriages for a moment. Communication is the foundation of all relationships. Yeah. So whether you're married, with your kids, with your colleagues, you know, at work, um, we have to have co proper communication skills. That's an absolute necessity. So that we, we know that if we need it in all general aspects of our life, then we know for sure that we need it in our marriages. Um, oftentimes I see couples and they come in and I always ask them, you know, well, well, tell me what brings you to me today. Tell me what some of, you know, what are your concerns or your issues that you're having in your marriage? And I'll hear people say things like, oh, we're struggling with money. Uh -huh. We don't manage money well. Or, you know what, we're struggling with co-parenting. We're just not that great at, um, being co-parents or we're struggling with intimacy. Uh, intimacy is a, you know, a big issue for us right. and we don't have the level of intimacy that we want. And typically after about two to three sessions of digging into those topics with couples, what I find is that the couple inevitably always has a communication issue because what we know to be true is that if you struggle with communication, then you're going to struggle with talking about all topics. So it's going to feel like you have a money issue when it could just be you don't know how to talk about money. Right, right. You know, it's going to feel like you have an intimacy issue with it when it could be you just don't know how to be transparent about what it is that you want intimately with your partner. Um, and so communication, yes, it is the absolute foundation and we must have it in every relationship in order for it to work. So you asked me about some of the uh, pitfalls, right? Yes. Okay. So we think about the pitfalls in communication. Um, there, there are a couple different things to consider here. Um, the first thing I want to mention is the changing of the literal dialogue that happens when you can join, when you leave and cleave and become one. You trade in the I for an us. Right. And so it's uh, changing the way in which we communicate uh, is supremely important because if you still are communicating in eyes, meaning, you know, only about how I feel, only about my feelings being hurt, only about you not providing my needs, um, that becomes a communication pitfall because we get stuck in that selfish mindset again where we're only thinking about self and we are not considering our partner at all and what our partner may need as well. Um, another communication pitfall is focusing on our problems. I'm sorry, focusing on the person versus the behavioral issue or the problem itself. So let me give an example of what I mean there. Good. Um, if, if my partner, um, 
let me think. If my partner is struggling with uh, considering my feelings as it pertains to um, our household responsibility, then what I'll hear couples say when they fall into this pitfall of focusing on the person and not the issue, uh, they'll say things like, um, you don't care about me because you never do the dishes and you leave the dishes for me every night. You are selfish because you refuse to wash my clothes and you will only wash your own. So they'll use statements like that. And what I encourage them to do is to make sure that when you're communicating with your your partner, with your spouse, that you're focusing on the issue. So instead of saying you are selfish because you won't wash my clothes, then maybe the, the statement becomes, babe, I would appreciate it if you would wash my clothes because that is something that I value and something that is important to me. Yes. Okay, Uh, we're talking about uh, pitfalls. Would you talk to us about passive-aggressive behavior in communication? And could you give us a definition and how it can be overcome? Passive-aggression. It's very common. (laughs) Uh Um, Yeah, that passive-aggressive behavior, it's, it's the one that looks like peace, Uh, It's tricky when you look at it on the surface because it looks peaceful and it looks like you're doing the right thing Uh because you're not um, overtly um, quarrelsome addressing things. Yeah, you're not not just coming right out and and confronting your spouse or being nasty with your words on the surface. But really, it's a form of covert aggression. Yes. It really is a means of... um, it really is a means of getting your spouse, to, it's, you're like almost pushing your spouse without actually using your hand to push them. Yes. So I always try to think of like the best way to explain passive aggressiveness. Yeah. Um, That's a good but one. It's, yeah, yeah, it really is. Um, it, it really does kind of seem, it, it's, it's easy to happen in marriages because it seems so kind and nice on the surface, but it really is rooted in malice and, and uh, ill intent. Um, and oftentimes, um, when we're when we're operating in a in a world of passive aggressiveness, um, it stems from that selfish place again. And I feel like I've used that word a lot, but really, selfishness is literally the opposite of marriage. Right. Um, but when we're when we're living in that selfish space, then that's uh, oftentimes when we're using this passive aggressive behavior. Right. The um, me rather than we. Absolutely, the me yeah. rather than than we. Ironically, though, people who this way often think that they're being selfless because they feel like they're avoiding the conflict because they're not just flat out saying I don't like when you do this or don't do that right so the person that's being passive aggressive usually doesn't even recognize that their behavior or their language or their communication is passive aggressive because it can look like they're not really addressing the specific problem up front right exactly it but looks of course like they're going the along with everything, but underneath, <laughs> exactly. they're like steaming. Right. <laughs> but eventually, it could turn into a, 
an explosion or create a lot of problems rather than being transparent and finding a way of being honest about whatever is disturbing. I'm just going to um, share with our listeners the beautiful prayer that you gave us at the end of your book, Lord, please help us to bear the fruits of the Spirit, love, joy, peace, forbearance, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. I know we have not been showing these fruits, Lord, but we want to do better. Please give Mm -hmm. us the strength to make these qualities daily habits. Help us Mm -hmm. become intentional in the way we treat each other and bring healing to our relationship. We ask you to be a part of our marriage and be our leader through this journey. We thank you for hearing our prayer because we know we will have the marriage we desire through you. Amen. And thank you for that, Patrice. Would you give us your website where our listeners can get your book and other resources? Absolutely. Um, so the website where uh, you can find our, my book is, well, I have this book that you were speaking about, the Repairing Your Christian Marriage, our Faith-Based Strategies to Rebuild Your Relationship. We also have an incredible couples workbook that is on our website as well uh, that I wrote. It's called Celebrate Our Love. It's a couples journal with 120 activities Um for making connecting fun. And then I have another relationship called Evolve that is an anthology book um, that is written by myself and eight other ladies um, where they share their eight other wives and they share their marriage journeys in this book. And so it, it goes over their personal lives and then it gives uh, strategies and tools in which to use to get through some of the difficulties in marriage. But it's, of course, written from the female perspective. Okay, and um, what is the way? website, Patrice? And so you can uh, find those books as well as our other services at www.ittakes2 and it's the number two so I-T-T-A-K-E-S the number two marriagecoaching.com Okay, wonderful. Thank you Patrice. Just say goodbye and God bless for now. God bless you and thank you for having me on your show today. Okay, thank you. <laughs> 